This is Fireground Action Photography, episode 27 for the week of February 8th, 2009. This week, fire photographers Timothy Tonge and Joe Brown join us with some great tips we can all use to improve our portrait photography. Well, hello and welcome to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Derling and I am returning as your host. Joining me again in base camp is the lovely and talented, legendary Southern California fire photographer, Ross A. Benson. Welcome back, Ross. Good afternoon, Craig. How are you? I am doing well, doing well. We're live on Stickham today. So anybody uh, at home watching, well, they'll be hearing this tomorrow, so they won't know. But I'm going to actually try to record it, too, so maybe we'll loop it on the uh, oh, firegroundaction.com website. So this is, a, this is a new experiment. We'll see how it goes. But uh, People can really see there are really a Craig and a Ross. Yep. And, and base camp looks more like the inside of an, a residential office, but that's okay. Um, we have uh, joining us today um, a couple of uh, friends of ours, Timothy Tonge and Joe Brown, who will be joining us in a minute. But uh, Ross, you've been busy all morning. Uh, you're ju- you just landed. You just got got here. Um, you were uh, performing one of the uh, unfortunate yet privileged uh, duties of the fire photographer. You were covering a, a firefighter's funeral this morning. That I was a good good friend of mine. Was a neighbor lived across the street. Uh, been a Burbank firefighter for thirty three years. Uh, Denny Strom uh, retired back in ninety seven. Passed away two days ago from a battle with cancer. Went back east quite a bit, so a lot of guys uh, back on the east coast, New York, Boston. Traveled with Al Simmons, who we all know real well. Sure. And I'll tell you, it was really an honor uh, to see his wife look at, I enlarged some pictures of Denny out here on, on the job. And we had it at the rosary last night and then today at the funeral. And then I did his department portrait. We're going to talk about portraits today. Right. They are really important. You know, Tracy Pansini, our Burbank's fire chief, came up to me, put his hand around my shoulder and said, thanks. I'm glad we have department portraits. They're really important. But I'll tell you, today's uh, funeral was very moving. Uh, besides amazing grace on bagpipes, seeing all those firemen in their dress blues, you know, uh, they drove him in a Moreland. The, uh, Burbank has an old historical Moreland fire truck, brought him up uh, to uh, from the funeral home to where the funeral was at a church and then they had uh guys all the uniform personnel at attention and uh wow. it was really touching and then uh at the end they played uh his last uh call over the radio when they play, they rang the bells and i tell it's you always been, a, a moving moment it's hard to uh, it's hard to shoot pictures when you got tears coming down your yeah. face you know but uh good friend of mine and it's hard to shoot you know but everybody knows why i was there um, sure. You know, I kind of blended in. His wife and I talked yesterday, Cheryl, and she says, you know, the mortuary didn't, told us no pictures, but I guess you've been out there before, and I have. And uh, that's one of the things that, you know, I could bring up. If you do have to shoot a funeral, get with the funeral home. Talk to the director. He's calling all the shots from the officers running the barricades to when the hearse pulls out, when they take the you know casket out and everything, him and I we work together. This is I've done several funerals with him. We're on first name basis. He knew where I was going to be, and it just it makes shooting, photographing a lot easier. And doing your homework, yeah, exactly. Be on the same page because timing, time and place oh. is very important in, oh, in that events like that. Things have to move precisely right. when guys you know shuffle out and so forth and where they're going to come it just it stopped raining it's been raining out here in california for the last two days the sun's shining now yeah i mean last night we were worried i have boots on because i had a feeling if we go out to the graveside i was going to be sinking in in water thank goodness it cleared up out here now that i recall another friend of ours uh danny yonan yeah didn't the same thing happen it is it was pouring rain that morning and the sun came out yep Right yeah, when the service began. It's pretty amazing. I, the clouds out here, the sky opened up today. I mean, literally, it's blue sky. And to see the chief, Tracy, up there in the the clouds, you know, and, and everything. And some of the pictures, they uh, his casket was covered with a flag. And they took it off, and he presented it to the wife, you know, and the family, and just all the other firemen. And then they carried, they took their gloves off and put it on the casket. And she kind of went up and kissed it, and I was in the background shooting. And those shots will mean 
a lot to them. Sure. And uh, yesterday, the department portrait that I had uh, supplied, we blew it up to a 16 by 20. He just died Thursday morning. I mean, I had it literally at my fingertips. Uh, I'd say Thursday afternoon, I was looking through a lot of negatives because I've been shooting Denny for, you know, many years. So I pulled out negatives, had, had them blown up, had this department portrait, you know, that we have hanging all the, the firemen. We shoot it every couple of years. Well, in fact, Burbank shoots it every 10 years. And we have it up in the main main headquarters. And what we did was uh, I blew that up to a 16 by 20, put it in a frame, and uh, it was a mass. So it was at a Catholic. So instead, they didn't have an open casket there. They put his portrait up there. So and That's when these the, these photos mean so much. That it do. Yeah, that they do. Sad times like this, but. But is. we have to do it. Yeah. You know. That's part of what we do. And I saw tons of retired guys that uh, I've seen. You know, they all have beards. It's amazing. They These firemen retire, grow beards or goatees, and they're gray. Cops you know? do the same thing because you can't have them while you're in your during your whole career. Yeah, it's amazing. And you grow to, everything else. To see like chiefs. And, and then the uh, the retired chief, Mike Davis, gave the eulogy. Oh, okay. Which was very touching. They uh, were very good friends. And so he knew him personally. So it was nice. a, kind of a moving morning for sure. me. and. Well, it sounds now like a, a, a nice service. It really nice was. Nice service for him. Well, let's introduce our guests uh, for today. Joining us again are uh, from Colorado. We have Timothy Tonge. Tim, welcome back, sir. Hi, how are you today? Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Joe Brown from the Metro Boston area. Joe, welcome back. Good afternoon, all. And, Hi, guys. Uh, and hey, as Ross, we, how are you? Before we uh, jump into it, I have a, a quick presentation to make. For anybody watching on Stickam, this will make more sense, but we're going to do it for the uh, audio podcast as well. Uh, but this was going to be a Christmas present for Ross, but he is wow. now being issued his official Fireground Action Photography job shirt. And I'm told the reason it took longer is they had to find the material to make a sweatshirt for me. (laughs) Your word's not mine, sir. (laughs) But uh, embroidered with your name and everything. There you go. Three people on the planet have these. Myself, Leo Laporte, and now Ross Benson. That is really cool. That is for your... uh, for your dedication and service to this show, sir. You've been a wow. great help. It's my pleasure to Thank present you, you with that. Thank you. I will wear that proudly. You know that. Yep. We uh, love doing this podcast. And, you know, it's uh, we're getting emails. And, and I love list, going back to the shows and listening to Tim and Joe. And you guys, you don't know how much Craig and I are enjoying the conversation with you guys. It is wonderful having you guys participate. And you are here today. And we are going to talk about portraits, shooting portraits. I think uh, everybody in the con, the, all four of us have have shot portraits from time to time. Personally, I'm kind of terrified of them <laughs> because my motto has always been: if it's blowing up, shooting at me, racing past me, or on fire, I'll get the shot every time. If you put an apple on a table in front of me, I'll screw it up. <laughs> so you know, portraits are the that version of the apple on the table for me. And I know you guys have you can definitely talk about portraits better than I can. So you're pretty much going to run this show. Well, Tim and uh, Joe, uh, I know you guys back there, uh, you both do portrait photography, and Craig and I do more action, but uh, portraits are important to to photographers, all of us, and uh, maybe you guys can give us some tips and help us out. Now, Tim, you just put some portraits up on our Flickr group. If uh, everybody out there wants to see these, you can go to flickr.com slash groups slash fireground, and uh, Tim, is uh, your handle on there is SkyViewTim, and you've just posted some more, as a matter of fact. And uh, why don't you uh, kind of talk us through those? You do both kind of portraits. You're doing more formal ones, uh, but you're also doing environmental portraits that are also posted up there, which I'm a huge fan of. Absolutely. Um, as as Ross said, it's just part of what we do. And uh, certainly uh, every uh, year or so, the chief officers get portraits that are put on the websites. And uh, I certainly like to shoot the portraits when we can. On the Flickr group, and they're, and they're good for illustration, I've got three sets of uh, four portraits out there. There's uh, four portraits early on in the uh, Flickr page, and then uh, eight that I've posted in the last week. And as we uh, go on in a bit here, I'll touch on the different techniques to do, to do each of these uh, portraits. Right. And Joe, in your uh, in your position, remind everybody who who you shoot for, Joe, and in your uh, in your uh, job there, what kind of portraits you you were assigned to shoot? Well, truthfully, out here, at least the the departments that I'm very friendly with, we don't do these, uh, not officially anyway. It seems like uh, other parts of the country and some of the bigger departments seem to do it. um, But 
the I, I'm uh, 12 miles northwest of Boston, at the, in the little town of Woburn, which is next to Lexington, the uh, birthplace of our country. Where I think, Craig, you're from. Where are you from? I'm from right Andover, area, but right? my aunt oh, and uncle right. live in Lexington. Lexington, but uh, so we don't we don't do these as much. And um, you know, I, I'm being inspired here to maybe uh, call a couple of my chief officers and say, hey guys, let's uh, let's do a few of these. You know, like I just said a minute ago, the chief today said uh, how important. God forbid somebody gets killed on the job like you just experienced back in Boston with this ladder company. Uh, you know, yep. they're in a job that you don't know when they go into a building if they'll come out. You pray they do. And you got it. Right. And for us out here, it was a tradition that I kind of uh, followed suit with. And that's one of the good reasons to sell it to a department is, God forbid, or a promotion. You got an engineer that's promoting a lieutenant or captain. You know, your local paper, as you know, Joe, you can use a headshot or a mug anytime. And it's a good way to get your community into knowing who your your guys are. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, like I say, I'm, I'm, you know, the stuff I do for portraits is more um, the high school kids for the they put books together for the sports in a preseason, uh, high, hockey or uh, basketball. They have little program books where they sell a few ads and try and raise a few bucks for the kids. Well, they'll have me come in and take pictures of each of the individual kids, you know, holding the basketball or and. Uh, I think, at least for the discussion, the technique is going to be pretty much the same as what Tim does. I think uh, Tim and I use a fairly similar technique to do them. It's just I'm doing the high school kids and he's doing firefighters. And like I say, I've been uh, inspired here. So uh, you may see some more of the fire guys on my uh, on my website. Oh, fantastic! Well, like like you said, the technique is what uh, might uh, the technique is is the same. It's the subject subject that changes, but. Uh, Joe, since we already have you all warmed up and going here, um, when you do the team photos, when you do those portraits, uh, do you bring in uh, full st- uh, strobe kits and all that, or are you using just a, a like a fill flash or a speed light? What's uh, what's your typical it, typical technique? Well, it, it's uh, it's going to depend on who you know, how many you have to do, and how much time you have to do it. Um, and I do use uh, I'm a Nikon guy. And uh, I use my SB800 flashes that we we use those. But I also have a full set of Alien Bs. And when I say a full set, I've got two of the uh, 800s, the 800 watt second Alien Bs. They're economical, they're lightweight, and they travel well. And those are in the car in a small case with a couple of light stands and a couple of small soft boxes and actually a couple of umbrellas. So you never know. So it, it could be either way. Okay. And but, uh, the, but I think the big thing is that you get the camera off the flash. And I think Tim can talk to that also. Oh, what did I just say? I mean, get the flash off the hey, camera. E- either Bobby. way, you have to disconnect the two, right? <laughs> Move them apart. Somehow get them apart. And I have the TTL cords, so when I use the SB800s, uh, if you don't use it in a remote setup, with the uh, and I think I think Canon can do this too. I the the D300 Nikon can act as a commander for a bunch of different flashes, and I can set the SB800s in the, a remote mode so I can move them off the uh, the camera. Or I can use the TTL cord. I've, there's a couple of different ways that we can do it. Okay. And uh, Tim, Tim, I know it's a, a big point that you like to make is get that flash off the camera, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think the single biggest uh, thing you can do to improve your photography if you're using a flash is get it off the uh, camera and move it uh, just as little as a, a foot or two uh, left, right, or top. Uh, and it will gr- it will very much help your photography. Now, some of the portraits you've recently posted on the Flickr group are the environment. What I'm calling the environmental ones. They're they're firefighters uh, with with an active fire in the background and uh, a very natural look. They're smiling. It's almost like a candid photo. It almost gives the appearance of a candid photo. But you've used some fill flash, uh, and we talked before the show. But you just had an extension uh, cable and held the strobe a foot foot and a half away from the camera to maybe get up and under the brim of the of the helmet so you didn't have a shadowing issue. And and you've, just as a fill flash, it really fills in that face uh, great. But you're exposing on the for the fire, for the background, and then just filling uh, the foreground? Is that what you're doing? Absol- absolutely. If you would like me to review that technique, I'm uh, certainly happy to do it. Please do. Um, basically, uh, I call these formula portraits because they're, they're so easy to do and they, uh, uh, they usually turn out well. Uh, just a week or two ago when, when you had the uh, 
fire chief on the show, and he was uh, saying get to know and develop relationships with the firefighters. I can pretty much assure you if you uh, deliver one set of these, it will go a long way to de- to uh, developing that relationship. And with these fire portraits, uh, um, these are all shot at training um, at training burns. Uh, certainly, uh, would would never even suggest to attempt these at a at a uh, fire scene with active fire. Certainly not arranging a portrait. You could use the technique uh, to catch uh, action shots dynamically, but but certainly not to distract the personnel and have a chief officer smiling with a raging fire. But they're quite simple to do, and the base. Basic technique is 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 as follows with the uh, with these four images that are uh, uh, all have fire behind them. The first thing I do is uh, you need to use a, a telephoto lens. Uh, I typically uh, will be using my eighty to two hundred f two eight, and the uh, f two eight is is somewhat important um, as well. Um, and the and the um, lens will be set at perhaps one twenty, so a, a, a small telephoto. Uh, 120, 140 millimeter uh, on my full frame. It would be more like 80 to 100 on your on your crop, and that's to compress the background. So step A is to use the uh, the short telephoto. Right. I think that's step an important two- that's an important point. Sorry to interrupt, but is to to enlarge that background. The, I think the inclination is to get up close to your subject, but your background's going and go wide, but your background's going to appear smaller. It's take a few steps back and zoom in, and that'll and that'll enlarge your background. Well, well, absolutely. The, the the technique number one with with the telephoto is is that compression of the background to make it look bigger. But yes, you're right. I also have distance from the subject, which is useful too. And notice uh, my backgrounds do not include sky or anything else. Ba- the perfect background for this technique is is a wall of fire or fire or as much of it as you can get. So that's uh, that's step A. I then meter off the uh, off the fire itself, and, and get and of course I'm shooting in manual mode as as you guys talk about all the time. Uh, do not attempt this in in automatic. Um, I would again recommend manual mode, and that's how I I shoot these. So manual mode, meter off the fire, and then I'll knock it down roughly half a stop to two thirds of a stop um, below what the uh, meter's saying. I want to in- intensify the uh, orange flames just a touch. Usually half a stop is about right. So you uh, meter on the background and, and uh, take a couple test shots and you say, okay, I've got the, got the uh, light meter good and you just leave your, uh, leave your manual uh, setting there. I then, uh, I then um, put the flash on the uh, on the cord, it certainly could be done wirelessly as well with a commander unit. And I'm just holding the flash, or if, if I'm really lucky, I grab somebody so I don't I don't have to hold the flash. Uh, a recommendation would be if you have an assistant or can snag a firefighter to help you, have him hold the flash, point it where you want it, and then you can use two hands on your camera, which uh, really is a much better technique, particularly with long and heavy lenses. So then we then adjust the uh, the flash, and typically with the with the newer cameras, certainly the Nikon, they're automated. Uh, uh, CLS system, which is their automatic adjustment of the flash, usually works pretty well. Or I'll go in there and set the flash on manual, do a couple test shots till I get it right, and then I have the uh, illumination of the subject totally handled by the flash. So background is dealt with with uh, the camera, um, manual mode, knock it down a third to a half to two-thirds, and then the subject is typically uh, entirely dealt with with the flash. So there's the uh, third technique that you do to, to make this happen. I might also point out that typically this will work best if you're on the shadowed side of the fire. Um, the sun on, the, uh, on, on virtually all of these um, is either camera right or behind the structure. So I tend to go on the shadowed side of the uh, structure, uh, again, to intensify the flames and control my light better. I don't want any direct sunlight hitting the lens, and I prefer the firefighters to have little, if any, direct sunlight on them. Lastly, before I'll, I'll shoot off, the, the, the final step is I always shoot these at f2.8. I want a minimum depth of field. I want those flames to blur a little bit. If, uh, if you have f4, certainly use the f4. Um, you can always uh, 
increase your subject to fire distance if if f4 is just a little too sharp right but i find again find that these work best minimum depth of field to give a slight blur to the background and then i'm ready to go after the four step and it's almost uh almost a formula uh that works every time one other note there's four of these posted i posted i picked these in particular we have three verticals one horizontal uh, we have two uh, serious looks two smiles and we have uh, three that are tighter and one that's more full body. My experience, tighter shots, and you see the examples, tighter shots tend to work better. Horizontal or vertical depends on the scene. If you're going horizontal, make sure you have fire from edge to edge. But fairly tight on the subject, manual mode. Once And once you've done the four steps, um, that is, again, exposed for the background and then telephoto and then get the flash setting right and then make it f28 you can run a dozen firefighters through this setup in five to eight minutes um burn them to disc and these guys are absolutely thrilled with the results oh, these, and, are, these, these are, are these are these are easy to do right these are like great baseball card shots they're just classic shots and the one horizontal you do have in here i think works uh it's a fantastic portrait as a horizontal it works because like you mentioned you have fire from border to border if you didn't, you'd be probably distracted by, by what was there instead of the fire and wondering why it's a horizontal. No, absolutely. You want you absolutely do not want a distracting background, which is why the, the chief officer that's horizontal is all flame. It works nice. And the tighter shot on the uh, serious expression vertical also works nice because of the amount of fire. As you pull back, and as you can see, more of the firefighter, one example, uh, isn't as tight. Of course, the the fire is is less. I have grass in the foreground, and it's very difficult to uh, to just get the fire I, I, for maximum effect. Um, just fire behind the uh, subject you're shooting. All right. Well, with that that wider uh, vertical one you're talking about, at least we're we're filling the surrounding area. It's not dead space. We've got the pole. We've got him holding gloves with his his mask and all that. So I don't know if you did that on purpose. But that helps fill in that that extra space too. No, that was. I mean, these are all setup shots. Um, tell them more or less what I want. And in terms of the serious versus smiles, it almost depends on the firefighter. Some firefighters just naturally go to that smile. Other firefighters have the more serious look. And I don't. I don't try to micromanage that. That doesn't work. I will say that normally I do both tight. And at least one or two that are back, you know, further back. This fellow that uh, is holding the pike pole, of course, I did the tighter shots as well. So with digital, it's no big deal. You you can blast these off once the settings are done. The beauty of manual, uh, you can have the guys line up, which I almost said, here we go, let's get it done. And you know, five minutes later, we've shot eight eight or ten guys. Yeah, it's Tim, a how much, great shot. Uh, how many? How many opportunities do you have to do this at a live burn? Do you in that area of the country? Do you guys have? numerous live burns that you have an opportunity to do it? The the, the short answer is no. Uh, my department has not had a live burn in three years, and the two that are Casarock shots, the horizontal and the, the other smiling uh, person, those are three years old. And uh, what I try to do is, uh, is I've let people know, uh, other departments, that if you guys are going to have a live burn, I'm always happy to do it. It's good practice for me. I always tell them the guys are going to love the portraits. And so I'll, I'll find myself getting invites from time to time. And, and it's just a, it's, it's a good thing for me because I get to play with live fire in the background and develop some relationships. And you never know where it'll go. I might happen to be on the north end of town one day when there is a true working fire. They're going to recognize me. Oh, yeah, that's the Castle Rock guy. So uh, I just try to keep my ear to the ground. And as, as my time allows... Um, and I suspect I only shoot one or two live fire trainings a year. Um, as my time allows, I try, I try to do them because the guys like this stuff so much. Now I'm curious, uh, Tim, on, uh, you say these are practice burns. Do you mark off on the ground where you're going to want them to stand or is it pretty much so they know how to get in place? Cause your, your fire is going to go out even on practice burns, unless it's propane supplied, I mean, aren't they? Uh, is that fire going to go out? And how long would you a, say all these took? Got about a ten minute window, usually. Wow, 
You got to work 10, quick. 12 minutes. Well, you, you said you like to work quick with, with fire, so you just combine your portraits with live fire. But, yeah, these these are relatively quick. Again, the, the best flame, I sort of keep an eye on it, and I let them know what we're going to do. I say once this gets going, we're going to be more or less here. And, and these these re, more recent ones, the ones with the serious expressions, uh, that fire kept getting hotter and hotter, and we had to keep moving further away because it was quite hot even where we were shooting. So that was kind of amusing. But I kind of set it up before. Hand, I say, okay, once this gets going, this is where we're going to be. I'm going to have to run you through quick. If somebody could hold the flash for me, that's all the better, which they did in, in, bo- in these cases. And uh, off we go. And there's nothing to stop you from maybe having a tripod set up over there, too, and quick connect and, and get it on there. That will free up a, a hand or two uh, if you didn't have somebody Absolutely. to do that. And I would recommend if you're going to do the if you're going to do these alone, use the tripod just because of of good shooting technique. Doesn't suggest one handing a long long uh, telephoto. Right. I know uh, one of the times I've done several portraits within the department, they literally put me in a closet. You know, I mean, a uh, it was a spare uh, broom room, like an equipment room or something. Exactly. And I had to uh, I used some seamless paper which you can buy at most large photo stores. And I put it up with some suction cups on the wall, ran it down. In fact, uh, I did it with, uh, oh, back in film days. And I'll tell you, it was just cooking in there, got hot. And also the uh, the light was so bright, the guys came in and they were all squinting. We had to reshoot most of those pictures. Well, that's what's great about these outdoor ones is their eyes are, vision's already acclimated to the to the environment. Yep. And it's just, I just love those those uh, shots you got up there, Tim. Now, Joe, have you returned? I know you. Well, he, Tim was talking. You were out shooting some fire portraiture. I was, yes, <laughs> indeed. Actually, I've got another question for Tim before we go any further than that. Is um, Tim, can you can you speak a second to the uh, the the uh, format that you are shooting in, be it JPEG or RAW, and then uh, maybe a touch on what post processing you're doing, uh, or are these negatives in your scanning stuff in? I, I guess I shouldn't presume to jump that everybody's digital these days. Okay, absolutely. And, and one last thing, just before I touch on that, I should point out: don't over flash these folks. As as you look at these, you're not overly seeing flash so the flash is is fill and yes the flash is doing the heavy lift uh to to light these guys but don't overdo it or you'll or you'll ruin the effect now to directly answer your question yes these are all digital in both cases i happen to shoot nikon as well um, so the earlier ones, uh, the, the cast, the smiling face ones were shot with a Nikon D2X. The, uh, the more serious ones were the D700 with one SB800 flash uh, to, do the, uh, to do the fill flash. I shoot 100% in RAW without question. Uh, then I will uh, do the touch-up in Lightroom. And uh, I noticed uh, real well there. You get that light under the brim of the hat, probably the most important thing, because if you move that strobe up too high, you're going to cause that. Or leave it on the camera. Yeah. You're going to have that shadow of the brim. And these guys are wearing borks, too. The uh, the visors on the helmets, which would create even more of a shadow. So that just speaks to the the need to, to get that flash off the camera, right? Well, one of the uh, techniques I try to do, and it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, but on portraits such as these... I try to have my my lens, my camera at eye level, not above or, or particularly below unless I'm looking for some effect. And then, of course, the, the flash does not want to be coming top down by any means. You want to it, – it, it has to, as you said, get under that brim. So you don't want to uh, – you don't want to get the flash too high. So if you suddenly have a, a shorter fellow, watch yourself and be be careful with that. Well, that's a consideration if you are using a tripod too. You'd rather keep it set maybe a little lower than on the higher side or just be ready to adjust it quickly. You don't want to leave it at the same height if you have a, have a shorter versus taller firefighter. True. And Joe, are you shooting? Uh, are you shooting? That's ra- correct. Are you shooting raw, Joe? Or are you a mix? Or no. What's- no, we don't do. I don't do raw at all. To be very honest with you, everything I shoot is high JPEG. Um, and you're well. You're dealing more with the, the print print media anyway, as far as uh, newspapers and all that. So it'd be right. a little time consuming right. and maybe I, overdoing it. 
uh, I do some studio stuff. I do portraits in the studio, um, some models and uh, high school senior type stuff. And uh, uh, truthfully, I've tried raw, and I guess um, you know maybe it is the wonderful thing that everybody claims it is, but it it just doesn't work for me. And oh. I, I'm not dissing anybody who shoots raw. Don't get me uh, don't get me wrong about that. You know, hey, you, we do what we do. Uh, we find a system. We find a workflow. That's a new buzzword I noticed lately. And uh, I have a workflow that is absolutely fantastic for me. It maximizes the the uh, ability for me to get the pictures from the camera to the computer and out to whatever outlet and or person or wherever it needs to go. And we all have that, I think. That's something that we all, as a digital photographer, you learn early on is that you've got to create a workflow no matter what we're shooting. Well, so I, it'd be I, that portraits or action or whatever. Well, Joe, yeah, you're right. And you remember the days of uh, Kodachrome and Tri-X and all that. We moved from it was that. a Paul Simon song, wasn't it? Kodachrome? <laughs> it was. Kodachrome. Uh, well, we went That's from right. that and we learned. And now we're shooting digital. And RAW has come into it quite recently. We had JPEG. And uh, more people are shooting raw, and I, I would say your cameras are tending to, tending to go that way. You know, you could shoot raw slash JPEG, and uh, down the road, uh, I guess when you have more time to play with it, you'll probably experience it. Well, I, I find what I'm doing is uh, is usually my wildlife and nature stuff. I'll do raw JPEG, raw and right. JPEG, and I typically archive the raw stuff thinking well i have those stowed away if i want to play with them later but i tend to go back on the old habit of just doing a quick edit on the jpegs and uh and have yet to really experience what it's like to edit raw and i should get there at some point i know i should uh, i know a lot of people are moving that way but we could talk a little more about workflow in a minute but i wanted to touch on something you mentioned tim and get your your thoughts on it joe too is don't as you mentioned don't over flash and it speaks to it being on manual, too. If you're on anything but manual doing this kind of portraiture, that camera is going to make some decisions on your behalf <laughs> that are going to ruin the shot. Right? Am I wrong? Absolutely I certainly right. don't think you're. I don't think you're wrong, but I think there's some some room to experiment. I think Tim has hit on it that you know he's at it, it, as long as people realize it, we're certainly not doing these type of pictures at a live a live incident. Right. You know that this is a training burn. Be it you know last year, the year before, three years ago, whatever it is. Um, I think there's room to try it and learn the different. I, I really believe that every camera, even D300 to D300, D700 to D700, 40D to 40D, there's all Always slightly different. Uh, they all, they all. Uh, how do I want to say it? React to light slightly differently, no matter what. No matter what the tolerances that Nikon and Canon build these things to. So really, you got to learn your equipment. It's like anything in life. Do your homework, learn your equipment. So you know, practice with the flash. You might find something that works for you. Tim says shoot all yep. in manual. I don't 100% agree with that. I think sometimes you can do automatic balanced light to TTL with the SB800, and uh, you, you can probably come up with some nice stuff there. Again, I think the, tr the trick is find something that works for you and either learn it, stick with it. If not, then move on and find something else. And eventually you're going to hit on a combination of things that you like that work well for you in your situation. Now, um, Tim, i got a quick question. On these pictures that you did, are you just looking in the back of the camera and going, oh, they look okay? Or are you pulling the card out, putting them in a laptop or anything before you go? Before or using you the, the, going by the histogram? Do you use the histogram at all? Right. Right when I'm setting them up, I, I look at the histogram and, and review them. And then once it's set, I, I, I just shoot away. And, and when I mention when I mentioned manual, the camera is on manual. Most of the time, my flash, I, I let the Nikon CLS uh, adjust, and I'll just dial the flash down to what I want, minus third, minus two-thirds. So the flash is got a little bit of automatic in there to help me out just for simplicity. Right. That was something yeah, I was okay. going to bring up is, is you have settings on the camera, but you also have settings on the strobe that you need to be aware of and familiar with. Um, and it's a combination of the two because you could stop it down a stop and a half on the camera, but the strobe will be still be going full blast. You may have to adjust both, one or the other. And by saying you have to shoot manual, I don't mean this will only work on manual. Obviously, like J Joe mentioned, is you can be in AV mode, TV mode on, on Canons or something else on a Nikon. Just play around with it. That's a beauty of digital is play around with it, check the display, check the histogram, see what works for you in the environment you're shooting in. It might You might have to use a different technique in a different environment. Tim, on here you have some studio stuff, uh, portraits. Obviously, that would probably take a different technique and different different lighting conditions. Is that is that the case in the in what appears to be the studio stuff we're seeing on the Flickr page? Yeah, I'll I'll touch on them in a moment. But uh, um, on the, on the studio, there's uh, 
it's a similar kind of deal. You're, you're, you're controlling the light and bringing it in. But what I wanted to point out, and this is an interesting thing, on the studio shots, uh, and those are the ones I just posted, at least the uh, more formals of the officers, which I'll talk about next, it's a very typical studio uh, setup. And that I, um, is a three-flash a three setup. I set up a backdrop about 10 feet behind the, uh, the, uh, the person I'm going to shoot, and I put one uh, flash that's just off the camera low, below, uh, below, camera right low, or left, doesn't matter, uh, but it's camera low, and it's lighting up the backdrop, and that's very typical Portrait 101. I then use a two-flash setup for the uh, light on the, uh, on the subject, um, one camera left, one camera right, doesn't matter which one. One's primary, one's secondary. The primary is a stop, stop and a half brighter, hotter uh, than the uh, flash on the right. That gives me a little bit of shadow detail on one side. I don't want, again, to overdo the flash. So this is very typical uh, portrait lighting 101. One for the background, one, one camera left, one camera right. In this case, I'm not using a hair light, a fourth for a hair light. But I, again, use the same technique, uh, about 10 feet of uh, separation between the subject and the backdrop, and that is a backdrop I happen to own. You could use a white sheet for a white background. I like the texture of the one I have. I go about 20 more feet, uh, so about two-thirds further away. I go back to that 80 to 200, set at about 120. I go back to f2.8 because I want the background to blur. And I have almost the exact same thing I just did outside, only in a studio setting. And, and here's the, the interesting point I wanted to make. When you look at the outside images, I had mentioned I was using one flash but it's still a three-light setup. I have background, which is the fire. That's the first light. That's the same as the flash I'm putting on the background. I have a flash camera left. That's my heavy lift for the subject. But I also have sun, whether it be full sun or sun under a cloud, which is my third light. So these are both three-light setups, albeit handled differently. That's a great point, and it's important to note that you're doing that on purpose outside because you'd already mentioned what you're using the sun for, where you're positioning the sun. Well, not position. I don't think you have any say as to where the sun is, but you're positioning the subject and, and working with the background to make that work. And that that's a great point you're making is, is the lighting setup is essentially the same. I think we need to point out there, it's really important when, when like Tim and Joe talk about three light setup, folks don't get scared by that. Um, you know, it, it's not, a mathematical, okay, I got to calculate candle power here and all that. Years ago, you had to do that. But it's pretty easy, and you, as you can see by these pictures, all you're doing is making it even all the way around. And uh, I was going to say a minute ago, with that, with your strobe, most people play with that strobe, read that instruction manual, right like the instruction manual nowadays with the 580EX Part 2 or you know whatever it is right. now, Series 2. That thing will do almost everything except for make your coffee and cook breakfast for you. Read it. You could go into manual mode. You could override and have more power on manual settings, less power on manual. There's quite a few different things you could play with. So learn your strobe just like you do your camera. I think it's important to say that portrait photography is something you can practice. And I would suggest practicing your lighting setups and, and all that before you actually have the subject there. You know, put a teddy bear in a chair or something and, and light it if you already have the equipment. I keep it, trying to do it with Buddy, my dog. He won't keep still. He won't. You remember no. the time we shot pictures of Buddy? <laughs> I had to, he gained 20 pounds because I had to keep feeding Ooh, him treats. I have shot portraits then. You did? Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I think, Craig, you said, I think you need to practice with the old apple on the table, like you said earlier. Oh, you know? I'm terrified of apples and, on and tables. Apples on tables. Apples so, on tables. Uh, but it's true. Around your house, you could grab anything, you know, especially if you got a, I'll tell you, a kid in your neighborhood that you're good, you know, you want to shoot a picture of, their family will love them. But it's a good way to play around, you know, and shoot a lot. That digital Shoot your street. neighbor's Christmas card. You know, the family <laughs> portrait for the Christmas card. It's, a, it's great practice. There's plenty to practice with out there. Um, now, are these when you do the the uh, studio stuff, Tim, are these uh, is this a light kit that you already own or something that you'd go out and rent for this project? Okay, in 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 my case, I happen to have three SB eight hundreds, 
So, um, and the SU-800 controllers. So in my case, I have, I have invested in three um, of the Nikon off-camera flash. Now, that's just been replaced. They're newer ones, the SU-900 or SB-800. SB but the SB-800s have been their workhorse for, for a period of three, four years. And so I have three of them just so I have that typical three-light setup. Uh, you'd mentioned don't be scared off. If, if you really do think it through, though, if you had one flash that you could mount off-camera, and I am putting them into umbrellas, but that's, you know, a, a 10 or $20 bounce. You could put one flash into the umbrella, and by creatively positioning that backdrop, use the sun or use light from outside streaming in uh, as your second source, and you automatically have two sources of light. So you don't have to invest. But again, and I think Joe would agree, the classic photo 101 out of the textbook for portraits is that typical three-light setup just because it works so easily. Now, i got yes, a quick indeed. question. Quick question for both of you. I noticed in, in most of these shots that Tim put up, they have a blue background or whatever, whatever color you like, but blue is most common, I think. But I noticed you didn't have an American flag in any of these. And, um, you know, American flag and firefighters or police officers kind of goes with it. And have you ever kept that or put a, you know, a flagpole or the department you do, you, colors? You do see that a lot in department portraits. I have in the past with some military guys, to be honest with you. But again, as I stated before, I don't do a whole heck of a lot of department-type yeah. uh, portraits. So for me... Un until now. Uh, until Yeah, exactly, until now. Well, it's certainly a prop okay. that, you know, doesn't have to be... Pardon me for calling the American flag a prop, but in this case, it's nothing that has to be... There's no rule that says it has to be in a, a portrait. It is something you see a lot, but maybe not having it in there is refreshing to a department or just gives you something well, different to look thinking, at. Well, I'm just thinking, you know... A flag or – well, I just left a funeral where they had the department bell. They uh, found a bell off of an antique rig, you know, and you could probably prop that up, have the guys holding onto it. And now I noticed uh, on the portrait he's not holding his hat. Usually chief officers all have white hats or hats with some uh, what they call uh, – scrambled eggs on them. Sometimes you see them under their arm. Tracy's, I know, uh, had his portrait done, not by me, but uh, somebody in the city, and he had him with his hat under his arm. Some chief, chief officers like that. Um, coats, usually uh, those slash marks are really important to uh, guys in the amount of years of service. And you can look at how many hash marks a fire captain or chief has and it kind of says how many years they've been around so those are important things and also when you're shooting these real important collar brass badges name badges <laughs> make sure none of them are upside down mm. collar brass you're going to really embarrass yourself those are just little things that take a second and uh, correct them and all um i'm just curious with uh, tim on these i've noticed he's wearing glasses and uh, i notice you don't have any reflection uh in um couple of guys uh, I think I saw in one of your pictures. Uh, do you have any problem with reflection in his glasses in any of them when you shoot or them? Or even, even badges or name tags or things like that, buttons. Well, uh, actually, one of these one of these pictures of the uh, four port chief officer p portraits was picked because it's not quite right, and that's the uh, the officer, uh, the younger officer. And if you look at his badge, it is uh, I'm not positioned quite right. I am getting too much reflection off the badge compared to the other three shots. And this so is not, this is labeled a, number seventy seven uh, as far as the uh, the title of the photo. If anybody wants to find it, is that the one we're looking at? That's correct, and I intentionally put that up because his position was off by an inch or two in terms of body twist. And and when I first set these up, I actually was shooting uh, left shoulder towards towards me instead of right, and that was hiding the badge altogether. And I said, no, no, that doesn't work. So I rotated them back, and then uh, life was fine. But the but you want to be careful of flash of reflection, and the and the way you you can usually just solve it is just a, a minute movement, or I could have moved the badge a little bit, uh, just angled it a touch. Um, small, a quarter inch makes solves it right there. So that was one mistake, for lack of a better word, or one thing to avoid, but I did post the uh, hot badge on purpose. The other uh, more subtle mistake uh, or possible problem with these, or maybe it's not a mistake, but it's a lot more work for the photographer. And uh, I didn't really think about it till I was home because these shots were... Uh, taken to update the web and yes the last web 
pictures we did had the American flag in it. This time we said, well, let's change it and make them simple. They chose not to have the, the cap. That was their choice not to hold it. So we just went with the simple shot. And these worked absolutely positively fine for the web. And they are great portraits with one little asterisk on all four. Typically speaking, if, if these are portraits that are going to be printed, I did not leave enough crop room to make 8x10s or 8.5x11s. It's all solvable because I have neutral gray that I can drag and, and post-process solve, but that is something to be careful, for, careful of when shooting uh, more formal po portraits. Yes, some people will do 4x6 format, which most of our cameras shoot, but a very typical crop is 5x7 and occasionally 8.5x11 or 8x10. I didn't leave the crop space for an 8x10, so I wanted to point that out. Uh, leave yourself a little more canvas uh, neutral, dead dead space. Or at least know ahead of time what format it's, they're going to be printed in if they are. And that's an important note because 8.5 by 11 or an 8 by 12 versus an 8 by 10. 8 by 10s are common, but you're losing a lot of height or width, depending yep. on your format, to print that. And and it's just like shooting for a, ma you know, planning for a magazine cover, leading, leaving room for the masthead, information like that. You have to consider that with portraits as well. You know, it's funny, Joe, uh, uh, or Tim just said uh, he wanted to point out a mistake. And, and for a photographer to point out his uh, his errors or omissions or, or changes, I really want to thank you, uh, Tim, for pointing those out. It's little things that other photographers will catch on to. It's those little secrets we learned. Years ago, um, I took a class on how to shoot brides, and I was told always have them put majority of their weight on their right leg. It does something with your hips and your shoulders and everything, makes them look a little little better same thing with a chief officer or fireman have them throw all their weight on one leg you know and don't, don't stand flat-footed in other words exactly right? and uh, you can rotate your hips a little and it just does things with the body and it also makes them more comfortable in front of your camera when you're you know kind of do this and that and, and normally a, a slight turn to the head or you know Chin. tilting it to one particular angle yeah. or something joe do you use these are all techniques that everybody uses in portraiture correct I use, yeah, pretty much everything the same. My qu I actually have a question, uh, uh, more of a fire-related question uh, for Tim, uh, if we have a second for that. Go right ahead. On uh, the portrait labeled 011, which is the gentleman with the mustache. Yeah, chief officer, it looks like. Somebody with a, with a lot of time on. <laughs> Just yeah, looking yes. at the sleeve, not that he looks old, but he's got a lot well, of stripes okay, and things. That's the question. I've never seen a row of Maltese crosses like that. Does that indicate something? I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. I know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, we've seen stripes and hash marks and what have you, but uh, I've never actually seen I believe it does. Cross. I think they get one Maltese cross for every portrait they've posed for. <laughs> no, it's the, the hash marks are years, and if I'm right, the other one shows uh, how many years or how many multiple years of a chief officer or uh, a rank status. If I recall that, you know what? I will confirm that because I just left uh, our Burbank fire chief, Tracy Pansini, and he has both of those. He has Maltese yep. crosses. And I will, uh, I, I will confirm that. I know the stripes you're seeing, also known as hash marks, in military represent three years of service each. I think in civilian uh, law enforcement and fire, uh, they represent five years apiece. Right. The Maltese crosses, I, we'd have to look okay. into that, but a great question. And, and sticking with this picture for a minute, uh, Tim, you've posted uh, 11 and 11-2, a black and white version of this shot. Was that to illustrate something, or is that uh, are you using them in both capacities, color and black and white? Uh, just mainly to, to show that, uh, that you can use them either way. If, if, if you do it right, you'll get both the color and the black and white out of it. The lighting works for both if you, if you properly light it. So that is the exact same image, one with the uh, color removed. Real quick, what technique are you using to convert it to black and white? In, in all the cases that I use on, on Flickr, for simplicity, these have all been do done through Lightroom. So I just clicked on their black and white conversion. I didn't go any further with it. There are better ways of doing it in, right. in, in Photoshop if you really wanted yeah, to. Yeah, it's important to say there are multiple techniques to do that, some better than, than not. But you, you, yours look great. If the lighting is right, if the tonality is right, they're going to look good in color or black and white. You know, and I just want to point out right there, and I know I said it before about collar brass and badges. Departments have department rules. They have a GO or general order that they've been given when they were hired on and so forth. And when they're in a dress uniform such as this, 
things have to be in certain places. If you are a marksman or if you're a Medal of Valor winner, um, if you're a paramedic and so forth. And those are real important to guys in those pictures because when they look at them, like I just did this funeral today and guys are looking at pictures that I shot 25 years ago and they're looking at, it was the back of somebody and they're looking at, okay, who could that be? You know, it's uh, he had a paramedic patch on. Um, but look at his helmet. He didn't have this. So the people, firemen, look at things like that. Well, and it might be helpful to have somebody standing by when you're doing the portraits from the agency that knows the sure. proper positioning of different things to do a uniform check before the next guy goes up. Just, you know, check each other out. Everything look right. Tie straight. Name tag. I know there's always arguments as to exactly where the name tag should be. <laughs> should it be even with the tie tag? Should it be even with this or what? And uh, it's a funny story. We did a department uh, portrait down in the South Bay, uh, about a 250-man uh, police department. And they were all out in a parking lot and in different rows on bleachers. And uh, and one guy, uh, to protest, wore the old patches, a shirt with the old department patches, which had been <laughs> white patches versus the multicolored ones now. That was the talk of the department. We never heard... What happened to him? We haven't seen him since. But uh, Well, you remember that shot? <laughs> he retired I, shortly after that. I did that shot of Tracy's last day on the line, and I put everybody, 35 guys, everybody on the line in this big horseshoe. I got everybody in, in hands. Don't get them out of their pockets. Guys with hands in their pocket look bored. And have them do the same thing with their hands. Well, the thing is, all these guys had their hands clasped in front of them. I call it kind of uh, funeral style or whatever, or Paul Bear style. One guy had his hands down to the side, and I'm looking through, and you're shooting pretty quick. I had to go in and airbrush somebody else's arms on this guy so because I didn't want him to, for all these years, get commented on. Okay, guys, does, does any of this change for group photos, any of this technique? Maybe we don't have enough lights to, to light it evenly, but there are things to consider. Like if we do hands in front, are they left over right, right over left? You do have to kind of do that checklist before you fire the shutter. To make sure everything's in place for continuity sake. Well, you and I shot that uh, down at Chevron when we had all those uh, training off or the guys, the training group. On the, we had their knees all crossed the same. Their hands were going to be in the same place. Their goggles were all placed. You and I did that together. We worked on that, and it looked great. And everybody looks at the the perfection. To me, I'm a perfectionist. Look at my mustache. You know, hmm. um, it's perfect, and I want those guys to look perfect. It's a little crooked you know. right now. Oh, is it a little okay? askew. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Joe, Joe or Tim, when you do group photos out there, and I imagine you do team photos, Joe, um, does the technique change at all? Do you have to bring out more lights? Do you, does it create more complications for you, or is it the same all around as it is for one person? Joe? Well, in my case, it's um, uh, it all depends on the venue. I shoot in a lot of, as we call them, caves here. Uh, dark <laughs> gymnasiums are just ridiculous in some places, and, and in other places are, are fantastic. Uh, I shot a game last night in North Andover, Massachusetts. They have a brand-new high school, and the light was, uh, you know, I can get away with a 1,000 ISO at F4 uh, and still get a 500th of a second to stop the action. And uh, so something like that, if I shoot a group shot, I can cut it down to, say, an 800 ISO and uh, do available light type of thing or uh, use an on-camera flash or even just off-camera and do something. So for groups, that's really it. it I, I let the environment dictate it completely. And then as far as hands go, um, I let the it, I make a game out of it. Uh, remember, I'm shooting a lot of uh, high school age kids, mostly freshmen up through seniors. So I say to the group, if the, even if there's only four or five of them, I say, you guys decide. What do you want to do? You want to you know do parade rest, which is the hands behind the back. You want to do just hands down by your side. You want to do something uh, you know uh, cheerleader style with your hands on your hips. Uh, I, I kind of let them make that. I think it's more important. Not. Not completely germane to fire photography, I realize that, but uh, you know, it, it, that's I, I let them make the decision. So well, I think you could almost do that with the firefighters, the same thing. Yeah, I think with group uh, photos, the important thing is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they all be the same. They they can do whatever they want, maybe, especially in less formal uh, group shots. But typically, just for continuity's sake, you like them to do the same thing. Whether you leave it up to them or you tell them what to do, uh, either way works as long as it's... The continuity's there. Always a challenge shooting those high school kids because I'll always find one of them want to do some type of a, you know, my club sign or whatever, and I always tell them. Got to catch them. If Mm -hmm. I I catch those hands in any of my shots, you flash at anything, the shot won't be used, and you can explain it to your parents and the coach, you know. But I, I tell you, shooting high school over the years, you know, one guy out there, I did a church group not too long ago, and one guy I noticed 
something with his hand and all. And it just Ross, uh, if I could, if I can interject the same thing, uh, exactly the the old what they call them gang signs and what have you. But as you know, what I do for that is I let the kids do something goofy at the end. Yep. I say, look <laughs> it, on it, you know, humor me. Let me take a photo that your parents are going to be proud of, that I can put in the front page of tomorrow's newspaper, and everybody's going to be happy. And you know what? At the end, when we're done, when I'm done with what I need to do four or five photos later let's do something completely goofy off the wall you can make every face you can flash every gang sign you can do rabbit ears you can do whatever you want to do i'm not going to wrote it it'll it won't be in the paper but it'll be on my website and you guys can go look at it and you can laugh and you can share it with your friends and i'll send you a photo of it for your facebook your youtube or whatever whatever page you want to put it on like, and that really works believe it or not that's yeah. something that that it helps but well, you give them that relief whether it's at the beginning or the end, like the uh, the right. training burn Ross and I shot at the refinery is they all lined up in front of the flames. They endured the flames while we took our group photos. You know, we set them hands a certain way, legs a certain way, just so they're all the same. And then uh, the uh, following shots were them taking some water from some hose lines from their instructors, um, which made for very funny shots. They obviously won't go public, but they're, I think they'll appreciate them later on after they graduate. Yeah, right. those are the things that... It makes it a lot easier for us, too, because those shots, they'd love to ham it up. And shooting digitally, you don't have to worry about getting to Exposure 36 anymore. You know, what's funny is there's an annual parade down where I work in the South Bay. It's the longest-running military, uh, militarily sanctioned parade in the country. Uh, it's still sanctioned by all branches of the military. Very big deal every year. All these generals and admirals, uh, dignitaries come into town, and they have banquets and dinners, and I'm hired by the city to uh, to photograph all these different events. And there's been a little technique I've, I've tried for the last couple of years, and it seems to work. It works. It seems to work to break the ice and correct a problem. Whereas everybody always asks why I take two or three pictures of everything when I'm doing group group shots or portraits. It's because in it never fails in at least one of them. Somebody's doing something that the others aren't. Somebody's blinking. Somebody's making a you know scratching their nose. Something's happening. So I have at least have one usable shot out of the group. But in shooting these admirals and city council members and mayors and things. I've just tried this little thing to keep people from blinking, and it works. It sounds absolutely silly, but it works. And I tell them, okay, you know, I take a couple of shots, all right, and I tell them, okay, everybody do me a favor. Everybody blink. And well, why? I say, because when you, when you blink on purpose, you won't blink by accident when I fire the shutter. <laughs> and, it, and it has worked 100%. And, it, and I'll do it, and I'll say, okay, everybody blink on, on three blink. One, two, three, blink. Now open your eyes, boom, and I fire the shot, and all the eyes are open. And they'll ask me, come up to me after, why do we, why do we do that? And I explain why, and they love it. They they end, they find it more humorous than sure, anything, sure. but it it's a technique that I kind of created to solve this problem on the fly, and it has actually worked for me. I was right, like you know, a, one, two, three. You know, I don't think I've ever <laughs> shot a a picture on three. Never. Uh, I I know I went to Burbank schools and I learned how to count, but I'll tell you if you you know get to one, two, three, four. They were ready on three. You shot it at two. You got your shot, you know. So yeah, it's always you got to fool them. Make that Kodak moment. Yeah. Sometimes I'll fire off a couple and go, okay, well, the, without them expecting it, right? Like, okay, those were for, for practice. This one's for real. And by the time we get to that, they're like, oh, that's kind of amusing. And they, they, their expressions have lightened up. There aren't this, the stale smiles or their typical poses that these generals and dignitaries are used to doing. So if you can break the ice during the process, you get much more natural well, expressions that, on That's them. the same thing with student yes. department portraits. They, you know, get this iron stone face that they've been a captain for 32 years and I came up through this department. And then you got to slap them upside of the head only one time and they'll, you know, cool off a little. Yeah. And those are the shots. And I'll tell you, I got a couple of candid shots at the event last year with a couple of generals who are very starchy, very proper, wouldn't break a smile to save their lives, right? <laughs> and while I was setting them up for their, their single portraits, um, I would have their wife go up and straighten their tie. Oh, that's good. And took mm -hmm. and would mm -hmm. click off a shot when they did that. And it was a very candid, very natural, relaxed moment. As shocked as they might have been that I did it, they, they loved them. They loved the pictures, and they typically are their favorite pictures because it's a warm little moment between the two of them that they don't ever get to see because when they're photographed at these formal events, Oh, it's very formal. They only ever see the the final portraits. But if to have somebody, you know, capture little moments like that, I think it means a lot to them and relaxes them and and builds a relationship between the two of you 
that okay, this, this guy's okay. I can trust him or whatever. Joe, you you were trying to say something a minute ago. I wanted to make sure you gotta you gotta get that in. Oh, that's. Oh, I was just going to say an aside, as an aside, a different, uh, a variation on your blink technique. I have everybody look down at their feet for ten seconds, and then everybody raise your head at the count of three, or raise your head at the mm. count of four, and when they all look up at you, bang, you got it. Well, you know, now I use that line. They don't uh, know why they they don't know why they're looking at their feet. That's yeah, for the same reason. I'll lend them my comb. He'll explain it after, right? You know, if I a good one having the hairline like you and I do, Craig, you can always lend them your comb. And they'll look and go, what the hell do you need a comb for? You have no hair. Yeah, right. And now with the we're, I don't with know us what on, you're talking about. With us on stick cam, people will see that I really don't have any hair. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anyway. I wanted well, to uh, wanted to show you one more set that you can uh, play with uh, on portraits before we uh, wind down, and that's back on uh, sec way back on page eight uh, of these pictures pictures so there'll be the older Flickr pictures and we are again we're on the fireground action photography uh, Flickr group which you can find and we'll click on page eight here okay i am i'm there anyway hopefully anybody listening will be there as well we'll be as visual as we can hopefully folks will will look and uh, and appreciate the technique but uh, again now we we've got uh, if if you're on the right page you're going to see a series of portraits three of which have red behind the firefighter right. and one has gray and uh, basically we're we're in a firehouse uh it's amazing how this worked and again we're using a three light setup um, we're doing this. The uh, one flash is gelled red with some light modifiers, some acetate with some uh, with some black tape on it is one one thing. You can also shoot f- through uh, water glasses to get some uh, texture on the wall. So I'm using a, a flash for the background. It's shot against a white wall with a red a red uh, red gel on it through some water glasses. There's your red background. And then I've again gone to a two flash setup. One camera right, one camera left. The camera left is probably down two stops on uh, on these. It's a little bit less light. Uh, one to two stops down on the uh, secondary flash. Primary was camera right. And in this case, I gelled it with a uh, CTO, a full CTO, which is color temperature orange. Gives it a little bit of a warm flavor to the flash. So I've got red on the background for separation. I believe that the uh, secondary was just the white. And then the close to the firefighter was uh, gelled a little bit of orange CTO to be exact, full color temperature orange. Told them to uh, gear up. And I shot a stylized shot. Again, this was just playing around, yet they, they do good. The um, three the red shots were actually the, uh, the design shot. The one shot that was gray that did work, uh, the uh, third flash didn't fire. So that was just a mistake. I prefer the red. And the, uh, the lieutenant with the, uh, with the red uh, number plate, uh, he actually put more gear on. He put his uh, neck shield on and everything else. And, and the uh, fellow with 155, the, uh, the firefighter, didn't. And I'd say, yeah, have him put all the junk on, grab an axe or grab a pick as a, a prop. Go in tight. These are, again, tight shots. Same setup. Three different, three different sets of portraits using the exact same setup which uh, I'm hopeful will, uh, some of the some of your listeners and some of the other fire photographers can can put to good use. Oh yeah, this is great. What you've done here too, anybody that goes to visit these pictures is Tim has done a whole description under the photograph to explain the the environment, the equipment he used, where the lighting was and the, and the gel, everything he just talked about. He's got it uh, the text for that under each shot, which is real helpful. So anybody that wants to go visit, go visit that group. Um, gentlemen, any uh, any parting comments before we wrap it up here? We're a little over, so we're going to... I want to tell the guys back east, stay warm. <laughs> I don't know if they have a choice. <laughs> uh, actually, it's, it is warm today. It's 46. Ooh, how's the humidity? <laughs> today was a warm... Yeah, it's a, it's a dry heat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's 42 with the windshield factor, right? With the windshield factor, exactly. <laughs> well, Joe, say hi to the guys back in Boston. Uh, we have quite a few of the followers back there that listen to, the, to us and... Uh, Send us emails. Say hi to them all, Tim. It's Ross, been a I did have one. I did have one last quick question for you. Going back, uh-huh. going back to the Flickr page on uh, that guy who's the stunt guy who's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> that mask. What, what is the mask that he's wearing? Is that's that a Nomex. Nomex. Is that it's it a full. Okay, that's. It's a full Nomex mask. And what they did, um, and I probably should in the description, uh, I will add to that. He they put him in Nomex fully, Nomex uh, shirt, a sweatshirt actually 
with long sleeves. They've, he's wearing Nomex gloves, and that mask is full Nomex that he could see out of, as you can see by the plastic. They also used a gel on him, and uh, stunt people use this now. It's a You keep it in the icebox overnight. You put it on it. It looks like a silly putty almost over his whole body, and I mean literally through his hair, down his neck, everything. When they lit him on fire, they used rubber cement on that, as you've done before. Uh, yeah. I believe Joe did that as, with a baseball. And uh, baseball, yep. they they, poured, they painted uh, rubber cement on his back, torched it off, and there was a guy counting on the side, a safety officer, 1,001, 1,002. And the code, the code for that was when he starts failing, flailing his arms, he's going to go to the ground. And somebody just ca- off camera left, has a CO2 extinguisher and put him out. So uh, he was fully protected, and that's a mask that he's wearing. And the caption, of All course, right. is this is what happens to people who don't wear their reflective vests. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great shot. Even just the posture, no, the shape of where his arms and legs are flailing. That's, that's a great running shot. in uh, the local paper this week. They, you're putting it on the front page, and the headline the editor decided was, don't try this at home. I know we're running short on time, but this is a type of portrait that also could lend to some discussion because it really is a type of portrait as far as I'm concerned of this guy. How true. Sure. For fire safety, yeah. for, for fire safety. stunt well, for personnel. What? I mean, just showing what yeah. stunt people do. You know, I mean, this is a type of an environmental portrait also, I think. I so, uh, and, you know, so I just wanted to comment to Ross that I thought it was a wonderful photo. Wish we had that out here in eastern, you know, here in the east is Massachusetts. We don't have the, the film crews and we don't have the, the, the studios like this to, uh, they are building one, but it's not, it's going to be a year or two before that actually. Well, unfortunately, Spencer for hire won't be back. Yeah, exactly. But that's a a great image. That is on the front page of the Flickr, uh, the Fireground Group, entitled Man on Fire Burbank, T.C., for Training Center. Um, Joe Brown, thanks for being here. Where can people see your work? What's your website? Uh, JoeBrownPhotos.com. And are you on the Twitter? We are on the Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash brownphoto, all one word, B-R-O-W-N-P-H-O-T-O. Excellent. So everybody go follow Joe and check and out on his Firepix. website. Firepix, also firepix.net is all where I put my action stuff. And we'll, we're always willing to plug the good uh, people at firepix.net, a great uh, forum for fire photography and uh, discussion. Uh, Tim Timothy Tons, how about you, sir? Well, you can find, uh, for the moment, you can find the uh, images at uh, www.perfectmomentphotography.com. I have picked up some more URLs, but uh, haven't implemented them yet. And a couple of final comments, too. Uh, If if portraits aren't your thing, particularly these outdoor portraits, the exact same set of of technique can be used at a a regular fire, just you don't pose the folks. So keep that in mind. And if you want to really get into this off-camera flash stuff, I'm going to plug a website here strobus.com visit it they're all about uh getting that that flash off the camera and Great i highly site. recommend it fantastic web uh, blog yep yep not a fire yeah, site but i highly recommend it so uh it's all and, photography and, uh, it's all technique it's all it's all about the light as i like to say yep and are you on Absolutely. are you on the uh the twitter i don't think you are are you or are you i am i think i think i'm skyview but uh i don't i haven't figured out how to really make that work yet uh, we'll get you dialed in with that Ross Benson. You can find me at firepictures.com. I'm also up on Twitter, Twitter slash firepictures. Excellent. If you want to see any of my stuff, go to my online headquarters, craigderling.com. That'll get you everywhere everywhere on the net that I am. And uh, you can follow me at uh, Craig Derling on Twitter, twitter.com slash Craig Derling. You can also follow the podcast here at Fire Photos on Twitter. We put out announcements. We've put out the announcement that we were on Stickham live for our recording today. So follow us there as well. As always, we here at Fireground Action Photography appreciate your support. Couldn't do this show without your participation, and we certainly thank you for being here. Uh, if you're looking to, uh, for a place to display your emergency for, uh, photography like we've talked about today, we welcome you to join our Flickr photo group. Sign up for your free Flickr account and submit your photos to our Fireground group for comment and critique. We also have some discussions going on there, so feel free to jump right in on those. Uh, For a link to the Flickr group, as well as stories, announcements, polls, and show notes for the podcast, please visit our official blog at fireground.wordpress.com. And for up-to-the-minute updates and announcements, like I mentioned, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash firephotos. As always, you can get to uh, everything about the podcast at firegroundaction.com. That'll take you everywhere. And uh, again, we ask you to be safe out on those fire lines, and we'll see you next time on Fireground Action Photography.